Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host Maxine and we're on episode 108. Child, we have a lot to talk about. Um, Before we get into my business, because I know you guys are all up in my business. You're all up in my business. But you know what? That's cool. That's cool because I've opened that door. And this is really the platform where I do share my business. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be like, damn, should I even say this? Should I still talk about this person again? Or should I bring up this person after not talking about this person for however long? Because, I, you know, I do have some people who listen who are the topic that I'm talking about. And I think to myself... Maybe I should just never talk about this person ever again on this podcast. But then I have started this podcast to be a beacon of transparency. Okay? And let's talk about that for a moment. Because I grew up in an environment where don't speak your truth. Put everything under the rug. Don't really share how you're feeling everything's fine, put a smile on. And growing up in that type of household, it really suppresses your emotions and you don't recognize your own identity. I have always been the one who spoke up, who was not a bystander, but an upstander, who saw something that was inappropriate and decided to speak on it. And though... It was just, a, and we'll get more to that maybe in a future episode. Maybe even on this episode, I'm just kind of, I'm going willy nilly, willy nilly. But, you know, when you speak up on something that is inappropriate, that's happening and you witness it, right? You, if you were, if I, if I grew up in a healthy environment all the time, at least, it would have been a praiseworthy moment. Like, wow, mama, they call me mama back home. Um you were brave, you know, I'm sorry you were even put in a situation to even speak up on something like this. And yet, I did not receive that response. I received a response that was shaming. Um, I was stigmatized. I was made to feel just stupid, My mom told me not to call her mom anymore at that moment in time in my life. And that's when my abandonment issues began. (laughs) If I had to pinpoint to a a time in my life (laughs) where where I could track, at what point did I feel abandoned emotionally? It was around the time of 13, 12, 14, that age. And it's been that way since. I, anyway, I sell this to say, I created this podcast to be that beacon of transparency, to be the one to speak up because oftentimes I was around people who weren't telling the truth. <laughs> like we just walking around this big ass elephant and no one's noticing the elephant in the, I can't walk in the front door cause the elephant's in the way. Do you hear me? I can't, I can't get by you because you're standing in front of the door, but I'm, I'm supposed to climb over this elephant. 
I'm supposed to just hop on the, the elephant nose and find a way to get inside the trunk of the elephant and find a way to get inside my house. That's the point of what I'm saying is I grew up around a lot of people who were dishonest, emotionally dishonest, and it had an effect on me to be more honest, to be more transparent, even in spite of the discomfort that I experienced from it, I could not be any other way. I couldn't. I couldn't. Even when I tried to be someone I'm not, I tried to fit in with the masses, it ultimately never worked because I am who I am. You know how people just, you just can't live a life of of deceit. You can't be someone. I know there's a lot of people out there who are doing what is seemingly acceptable, what is beneficial according to what their parents told them to be or what society says. And there's sympathy that I have for that because I understand. And there's empathy that I have for that too because I understand how it feels to not feel comfortable enough or not feel encouraged to speak and be your true self. Anyway, I tell this to say, when I talk about anything, I need to talk it out through and through, even when I feel like I'm done talking about this person or damn, this person's probably listening. I don't want him or her to feel like, Oh, this bitch is always on. You know, it's really not that. It's really not about anybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when I talk about my dating experiences, these niggas, these bitches, whomever, it's really about me. It's not about them. Yes, it's about them, for sure. For sure. It's not, I'm not saying it's not about them. But it's about my learning, the lessons that I've learned, the growth that I've experienced, the realizations that I've had. And... That is why I I do what I do. <laughs> I and it really bothers me sometimes when I would watch YouTubers who would be so public about their relationships and it's so good, it's so lovey-dovey. We're we're on our way to Tulum, Mexico. We're we're buying a house together. We're we've got a dog together. And it's like, as soon as y'all break up, oh, I just want to keep my private life private. (laughs) Bitch, you basically brought me to your bedroom. You had me in the same room as you and your mate were intimate. I follow this Instagrammer who, she's a cool person. I like her, at least what I know of her online. And she posted this Instagram, she posted a a video, like a quick flick of her and her boyfriend in this outside shower. She, and the way that they have the camera set up, they're obviously not holding the camera, but you know, there's tripods, there's different holders that you can have without you having to hold the camera, right? And you know, at some point she's learned the tricks to make it look so natural and seamless. So... They're outside in Tulum at this outside outdoors shower. And, you know, she's she's naked. He's naked. But it's Instagram. So they're naked, it looks like. But you can't like she's she's holding her arms in a way that you can't see her her nipples, at least. 
And they're like, they, they look at each other for a moment and then instantly they're like just gobbling down each other, like kissing down, okay, all the way down. And maybe I'm a hater. Let's start there. Maybe I'm the hater <laughs> because let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you what I did. <laughs> I reported that pic. I reported the vid. I reported that boomerang. I did. I did. I don't know anyone else who I who is on Instagram who actually reports pictures and videos. And even on Twitter, I do the same thing. When I feel like what you post, sorry for like snapping. Let me stop smacking. I'm, I got to be more conscious about that. Um, when I see something <laughs> that I feel is inappropriate, I'm going to report. What was inappropriate about that bit? I think what was in, inappropriate about it, though, for me was it was borderline pornography. If I wanted to watch porn, I could go on Pornhub.com. Okay? I'll do that. I didn't go on Instagram to watch you and your, your dreadlock-ass motherfucker boyfriend they look like a really cool couple, though. I'm not, I'm not, and that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm not hating. Maybe I was hating on that moment. Like, damn, maybe I wish that was me. But the point is, don't put that in my face. I don't need to see, like, I don't need to be bombarded with you smacking lips with your man. I don't. Look, I'm not a hater when it comes to other types of couple pics couple videos, right? Like, if you, if, if you and your man gets engaged, that's beautiful. I'm not hating. I'm, I'm double tapping that picture. I'm liking it. If you dedicate a post to him and explain why ever since you've been dating him, you've, you've known what love is. I'm loving that type of content. I think that's beautiful. But don't post a video, a boomerang, any type of short clip of you tonguing down your boyfriend being half naked in Tulum, Mexico. No. Get back, get back to, to, to Katie, Texas and, uh, live a regular life. Like what, what are we doing? I'm reporting this pig. So I reported it and I, I was hoping that it was actually going to immediately come down because I reported stuff before that was like more inappropriate, like borderline violent. Cause I hate when people post, you know, when black lives matter was like more of a heavy, uh, content that's happening you know not just out loud but in social media world they people will post and repost pictures of Ahmad Arbery who is allegedly hanging from a tree and I say allegedly because I, I never fully watched the video because I'm not doing that like why are you traumatizing me we get it Black Lives Matter and I'm not saying like it doesn't right <laughs> I hope you, you guys understand what I'm saying but it's the constant bombarding of dead bodies, dead black bodies on the street that y'all want to repost every second. Like we, I got it the first two times that I saw it on my Instagram story within the past five minutes that I've been scrolling. Okay, so uh, anyway, all this to say, I put, I re, I reported that makeout vid, that borderline porno makeout vid, <laughs> because this is too much. Keep your love. Like those type, like I feel like the certain level of couple videos, like me and my boyfriend, me and my significant other, me and my partner should be to a limit. 
I don't want to see y'all boning. If I wanted to, I could go to a site that is dedicated to that, right? I don't go to Instagram for porn, right? I, I don't, that's not the, the destination for it. There's other sites literally available for you. Even Twitter, nigga. Twitter after dark, Twitter right, Twitter during the day. You could find a porn site or porn profile and be good to go. I didn't go on Instagram for that. That's my point. How did I get to this part? All I'm saying is to say, <laughs> be transparent. <laughs> no, but my point is, so she she would post so much intense, heavy, in love, lovey-dovey content of her and her, of her boyfriend. And I just wonder... I hope that they don't break up, but who knows, right? I mean, look, shit don't be lasting sometimes. Not to sound pessimistic. But the point is, this will be the same type of person, because I've seen it done before, the same type of influencer who would actively and consistently post images and videos of their significant other, and then as soon as they break up, don't don't ask me about so-and-so. If you don't see him on my profile, then that's enough of an answer. Like, okay, but you was just digging him down or he was just, sorry, he was just digging you down. You was just slobbing him up. But now it's none of our business because y'all broke up. Oh, because your heart's broken. It's none of our business, bitch. Tell us what happened. Did he cheat or not? Did you cheat? What's up? What's up? Okay. So we're going to get to my personal stuff in a moment. But first, let can we talk about Ready to Love? Can we just talk? I, I don't know if y'all li- watch, not listen, watch that series. Um, and this season in particular, season two, this is a show on OWN TV, which is a network created by Oprah Winfrey. And in this network, there's, Pop, there's a there's only black content shows. Some of them could be a little of a better quality, but some of them are pretty solid. And Ready to Love is a reality show that involves black singles, only black singles, not like you know a couple of blacks, ambiguous blacks. Is she black? I don't know. Her hair look kind of you know. It's it's black black blackly black 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 singles on the show. And it's like grown black men and women in a heterosexual environment. So this is to be very specific. So they're grown like late 30s, early 40s, looking for love. They, they've either been married, didn't work out, divorced, maybe even widowed. Many of them have kids because, you know, at this point, nigga, you, <laughs> you're going to meet somebody with, with a kid. Oh, a couple of kids. There was one contestant, forgot his name. It doesn't even matter anymore. But he came on the show with five, nothing, no, not even five, seven, seven kids talking about five different baby mamas for those kids. Like, nigga, fuck you and go to hell. Why are you, you're not ready for anything. Go, <laughs> go ready to be, the, to be at church. Go ready for, the, to be with the Lord. The fuck you ready to love now? You've just had seven kids with five different baby mamas. When were you ready? Oh, so the seventh child made you ready? Child. And he's 52. He's a good 52 too. Like, takes care of his body. He was in the music industry playing uh, 
playing an instrument. I think he actually could sing too, but a talented man. But no, you're not ready to love. And it's not, here's the thing. I, I actually feel bad saying that because like, who am I to say someone, a man with several kids and several baby mamas aren't ready to love? Who am I? I'm Maxine Moretti. That's who the fuck I am. Let's let's keep it very honest. No, you're not ready to love. You're not. And it's to say that the typically, let's be typically about it. Those men are typically emotionally unavailable. They are not interested in commitment. They don't see a purpose in it. They see marriage as an unnecessary thing. I'm marrying the government and it's just between me and you. It's a soul marriage. It's a soul tie. Like, nigga, fuck you and go to hell. Uh He was talking about how he's just, he's not really into marriage because he sees it as uh, just a contract, it's a legally binding contract that is unnecessary. You know, if we together for 10 years, if we live together, we basically married. We married though. And everyone else on the show is like, no, you're not. You're not. You're not. And that's a, that's oftentimes what I hear from men who are against marriage. They see it as only a legally binding contract. And don't get me wrong. Marriage is a legal matter right? It is that as well as it is a commitment that you are making with your significant other. It is a step to settle down and be the man and be the woman that you are to be for your partner. And when we try to minimize it, like it's just this legally binding contract and it's good, da, 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 da. no, it just really showcases your, your insecurity when it comes to commitment and being loyal to somebody and really settling down for someone. It, it's a red flag for me. No, not everyone needs to be married. No, marriage isn't for everybody. Totally get that. Then just say that. Just say, hey, marriage is not for me. I'm just not interested in marriage. Don't come out and say, oh, it's not even a a real thing. We ain't got to be married. Like, nigga, fuck you and go to hell. Fuck you and go to hell. That's the name of the episode. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) but you know, like we don't have to do that. Anyway, okay. There's a lot to talk about for this season. And I really, I'm going to go around town downtown with this breakdown okay so please follow along rewind if you need to hell you could even pause this episode and go to ready to love on the own network and watch the season okay so you really understand what the fuck i'm talking about so you can really participate and like nod along and talk to yourself as you are listening to me like damn mama or damn maxine like you damn you hit it right at the you know right at the target i want you to watch this show and i'm not sponsored by them not yet at least but i really want you guys to take some time i don't know how many episodes has been um in the season maybe 12 But it's such a good piece of entertainment that the level of content that I receive from it, literally, I could make an episode for every episode. 
of this season for Ready to Love. But anyway, let's gonna just follow along with me. I'm gonna do my best to describe these contestants, these characters, really. And whether you watch the show or not, you'll still be able to follow along. So let's start off with um, let's start off with these character types. Okay, I am going to make it plain and clear. So we have the niggas. We have the niggas who are fine as fuck, right? The men who are just like, damn, that nigga is fine. Like, wow. Like, all you see is their fineness. And immediately what you feel for them is lust. You feel you feel like you want to jump their bones. You feel like you want to flirt with them all the time. You just feel so attracted to them. They just, they captivate you because of their beauty, because of their sexiness. There's an essence to them. And that's real, right? And it feels real in the moment. But really, all that you're feeling is lust. And it's more lust when you begin to realize the conversations that you have with that person is solely superficial and surface level there's no level of depth and quality when it comes to conversing with that lustful guy and this lustful guy is cal fani cal fani that's his name he is a ghanaian bodybuilder that nigga is fine okay cal fani could come see me Come see me. Oh, and another fun fact about this season. So you you guys know I live in Houston, Texas. All of these contestants are from Houston, Texas, but they filmed this season in a resort, and I think they filmed in Atlanta. So, but all of them are in. All of them are from Houston, Texas. They live in Houston, Texas. So I I might have to run into Cavani, but maybe not because according to the reunion episode, he is back with an ex and is looking to actually marry this bitch. Not this bitch. I'm not say that, but this bitch. You know what the fuck I'm talking about. Anyway, so. Calfani, fine as fuck, but he's the lustful guy. He's a lustful guy. He lacks emotional depth. He lacks um, just realness, and it it magnifies more when he's in the company of Adriana. Adriana, who is Adriana? Adriana is the youngest cast member. And she is, I want to say she's 28, 29, like super young. She's the youngest out of all the ladies, out of all the men too. So she's the youngest one on the show. And throughout this season, I recognize that, oh, wow, she's immature as fuck. She's emotionally unavailable. She is not in a position where she is ready to love. And the, the irony the irony of this show, it is literally called Ready to Love. And we know TV shows, like some of them are just, many of them, maybe all of them, are really just full of shit, right? Because the the contestants are not necessarily the right proper candidates. They're not really in the show for the right motives. Maybe some of them, a few of them are. But to literally have a show titled Ready to Love and literally not one of these motherfuckers were ready to love at all. Like, nigga, do y'all love yourselves? Do you guys even love yours? Do you guys know what love is? Do you love God? Like, it's really just, it's strange. It's very strange, but it's the irony of it all. So anyway, she's, her name's Adriana. So she is immature. She's emotionally unavailable. She kiki keys and laughs every moment because she lacks 
maturity. And look, I understand her because a part of me is... Um, look, I don't want to say I'm immature, but clearly I am. I just did that whole voice. But here's the thing with me. I like to laugh. I am that girl who is going to joke on you and crack you up. And sometimes I do maybe put myself in a box because I do that so much so that niggas may look at me as more of a homegirl than, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going to, I got to sit with that because I know I'm sexy and fine and all that. Not not to sound conceited, but you know, but I think to a, to a limit, there is this emotionally unavailable-ness that I have when it comes to myself. <laughs> oh my God, I'm having an aha moment. Shit, hold on. I remember, remember Houston nigga, y'all, this guy I used to date uh, like a year ago, and he's from Houston, Houston bred, and he's, he um always had like a basically he had something in his ass literally like just a stick up his ass just was not someone who I could joke with he was just always too serious and I I think I was handling something I don't know I don't really want to get into it but the point is we've had moments me and him we had moments I remember we had one argument and I wasn't able to articulate my, oh, that's what, okay. I wasn't able to articulate myself well. Like I was still, like I was like trying to defend myself, but I was I was doing it in a giddy way. Like, <laughs> like I was like kind of laughing and I, I was stuttering too. And it's funny because like here on the podcast, I, at least I try to be as articulate as I can. Even, you know, when I'm working in my professional world, I'm articulate as I can be and in other areas of my life. But when it comes to um, a dynamic where I have to be in a position where it's not a professional cloak around me, it's literally just me as I am in front of a man who I'm dating, there is this, there is this kind of giddy young girl vibe or just feel that I incorporate. And that is something that I could definitely relate to when it comes to Adriana from the show. Um, And he didn't respond well to my response or my reaction. Like the way that I would present myself sometimes, I wasn't as grown and woman-like to his standards maybe. And, you know, maybe he, he, I think he was also an ancient nigga, you know, an ancient nigga. But I also recognize that I wasn't as, I wasn't mature enough for him. And I think he wants, you know, there are men out there who want women who are just grown ass women. Like just like no bullshit type of women. And I don't know if I'll ever be that girl. Like I just love to laugh. Like I think there's a balance, you know. I feel like we need to be able to balance out our serious time and our jokey time. And I think I think that's the reason why me him. I know that's the reason why me him didn't work out. He was just too serious. Like nigga had a stick up. I was trying to take a stick out his ass. That's how much of a stick he had in his ass. Needless to say, I wasn't as mature as he maybe wanted me to be. And I am who I am. Either you like me or you don't. The purpose of what I'm saying is I could understand Adriana's immaturity. 
there's a moment okay so let's okay so she's an immature emotionally unavailable girl the youngest girl on the show she wasn't like the the immature girl who like always crack jokes that's me though i i crack a joke <laughs> one thing about me i'm a crack a joke <laughs> I'm gonna crack a joke and I'm gonna go to sleep, right? That's one thing you can count on that for me. I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to crack a joke. That's that's gonna be one and the other. Uh so with her, she wasn't the jokey type, but she was totally immature and not as uh grown in her essence, in her character yet. She was still growing and she's 28, 29. I, I get her, I get her. But the purpose of the show is are you ready, you know, ready to love? And she wasn't. And I wouldn't be honest if I was on that show because I know I wouldn't be ready to love. Like, okay, nigga, I'm just here to fuck. <laughs> you know? So, okay. That's the those are the two characters so far. This is a guy named Rashid. Rashid is the good guy. Mind you, I did not uh, project him to be that from episode one or two because he just felt like it felt like he was like trying to come off like he got it all, like he is this luxurious man. But ultimately, he's a good guy, and I do recognize I probably misjudged him. But he's definitely a good guy. And with him, he presents this, excuse me, he presents this safety, this safety net. Like he, he, when he likes you, he likes you. He will commit to you. He put his eggs in his basket. And he really liked Adriana. They actually went on one date prior to the show. They met before but they apparently Adriana ghosted him. But according to the reunion, Rashid said, "Well, we mutually ghosted each other." Like nigga, no, she she played you. But okay, so they saw each other again on the show, and his feelings for her kept you know they they returned, and he was really interested in her. Like throughout the season, he went on dates with one or two other women, but his his priority, his number one was Adriana. It was period. But the problem between Rashid and Adriana was basically Kafani. Kafani was a lustful guy. And when you have someone like Adriana who is emotionally unavailable, she was not in a position to receive the good man of it all that Rashid is the man who was ready to love her literally ready to love her ready to be there for her ready to show up for her ready to settle for her ready to focus for her she's not in a position to receive that because she is emotionally unavailable so what is an emotionally unavailable girl gonna do go for the lustful guy Go for the guy who is casual. Go for the guy who <laughs> you could have a good time with. Hello. And I get her. I've been there. Sis, I'm there right now. It's like, I'm not there right now. But I've been there and I get that. I've been in. Y'all know. I talk about it all the time on this podcast. All these motherfuckers I fucked. Okay. And it's all because of this allure for lust. Because ultimately, emotionally unavailability was me. And I'm saying was very loosely. Because I think I'm, I don't know, like, does that shit even go away? Because I'm, I'm actively working on, like, you know, I'm always actively growing and being mindful of my actions. But I just wonder, you know, what if I'm just subconsciously gonna continue to attract emotionally unavailable situations? 
Like, you know, what, what do I have to always cautiously tell myself, don't do this, Maxine? This is an emotionally unavailable situation when I feel like there are people who don't have to speak to themselves like that. It's just a natural reality. Hmm. Still working on that. But I understand Adriana when it comes to that point. So she ultimately chooses Calfani. Oh, spoiler alert. That's why I said you have to stop this episode and listen and watch the season. Okay? Just watch the season and come back. Come back. But she chooses Calfani. Calfani chooses her. And they live happily ever after, which is a lie. It didn't work out, according to the reunion episode. He played her, basically. And the problem is, look, I felt some type of joy when he revealed to everyone and to us that he decided to go with someone else, which is not another cast member, which is... Um, actually an ex of his, he decided to go backwards and go back to this woman who he gave the reason, the reason why he went back to her is because she already has a great relationship with his kids and he just thought it was a good night. Like, you know, like just some dumb nigga shit, like nigga shut the fuck up and go to hell. So anyway, he goes back to her and then on the reunion, he's explaining that he's explaining that. And she's sitting next to him because, you know, they have to create the, the appearance that they may still be together. This is just for trailer and just the teaser of the of the reunion show. And to to hear that as the viewer, as someone watching it from an outside point of view and seeing Adriana just sitting there calm and collected or just kind of dumbstruck in a way, I felt this this leveled anger that I just, I was trying to hold myself together because I felt that. I felt how it felt to be in Adriana's shoes, to be, to, to, to assume, to rightfully assume that, oh, we're doing this thing called a relationship or at least this courting stage into a relationship. We're doing this thing, yet... As soon as the cameras are off, as soon as we leave the resort and we go into reality mode, you're leaving me? Huh? You jump ship? What? You changed your mind? Nigga, fuck you and go to hell. I, I, I felt this leveled anger because I know how that felt. I know how that, fe- I know how that feels like. Because y'all know when I... I shared before how I um, was somewhat dating or just talking to or really vibing with this guy I used to work with years ago. And at the end of the school year, we he confessed his feelings for me and it felt so magical and just so, it was just a beautiful moment. We like, we kissed, he kissed me. We were looking at each other's eyes. He was he was talking in future format. You know when niggas talk like, oh, when we do this, oh, when you come here, because he was up, he was um, he was going to Paris for his acting. He has acting well, he had at least I don't know now, but he had acting pursuits and he was going on this acting. He was going. He was attending this acting school, and he got accepted to it. It's in London. And he was saying, oh, when you come to London, we could do this, we could do that. And in London, people are so, um, I think he's a PDA. And I was just so enamored. I was sold. And it wasn't, 
in that moment, it didn't feel like someone was trying to sell me something. Because oftentimes when guys do say stuff like future tenses, you know, when we do this, you know, when we go there, uh, we would do this, right? Um, that, it sounds like you're trying to sell me, right? You're trying to convince me about something. You're trying to persuade me. But with him in that moment, it felt so genuine because we he just revealed to me earlier and throughout the year, it was confirmation of his feelings for me. And now that the not that we was going to part our ways when it comes to the our workplace because he was no longer going to work there anymore and I was leaving that workplace, it felt like a permission for us to finally explore because he didn't want to, and I, not really, not really did I want to be in relationship with someone who was my coworker at the time. So, uh, it was just a great time for us to finally start this thing called a relationship. And the next two days or the next day, it was literally the next day. I don't know why I said two days. I'm trying to not make it sound so hurtful. But the next day, y'all was trying to reach him, couldn't reach him. Then he finally responds to me and then he tells me and then he's talking very sporadically. And it was not like it was just not the same energy as it was before. And immediately I knew I knew something was up. But I just didn't imagine that he would say he ended up saying to me that he doesn't feel the same way about me as I feel for him. And he's basically sorry for leading me on. And it was just a, a ton of bricks just fell on me. Like literally a ton, literally a ton of bricks fell on me. I went to the hospital because a ton of bricks fell on me. That, that's what happened. But a ton of bricks fell on me because I was so, I was, when I tell you, I was so convinced that this, this was my husband. When I tell y'all, I was so convinced that this was the one. This was it. I was ready to announce him to my parents. This this would this would have been the second guy I've I've announced to my parents. I was ready to just pick up ship and go. When I tell y'all, as soon as he started talking to me about future tenses of us being in London together, of me visiting him in London, I when I tell y'all that night or that evening when I came back home. And this is all in Boston when I was living in Boston. When I, when I came back home, I immediately went on Passport.com or whatever, USGov.com, trying to figure out how do I get a passport? Because the passport that I had at that time were um, was completely expired. It was when I was a baby. So I needed to obviously get a new one, renew it. And I was looking it up, y'all. I immediately just applied for my passport. And, you, you know, it's a fee of $115, $120. I paid that shit in full right in that moment as soon as this nigga told me, when I come see him in London, cause it felt so official. I was gonna go to London to be with my nigga. Oh, let me get this passport situated. Let me go ahead and get this get this worked out. And you know, I I did. I got it worked out. But the next day, I got that text from him talking about, uh, I don't feel for you the way you feel for me, and um, I'm sorry for leading you on, and. He he tried to cushion it up with his his state of mind, his instability mentally. He was explaining how throughout his pe previous relationships, he was always the cheater. He always cheated. He always fucked up on the girls, even even when he really wanted them, even when he really liked them. He still fucked it up. 
he got some inner things to work on and he was just speaking that language and I just was even in that moment I was still trying to get him I was still trying to convince him no it's gonna be different with me it's gonna be great with me and I think ultimately he still had those issues like I think that I know it sounds like an excuse but it it was clearly a red flag like I wouldn't want to be with someone who was a perpetual cheater and didn't get the help that he needed right and I knew that also in that time that he was still infatuation at least or still really liked this other girl that he mentioned to me before and actually come to find out months later maybe even a year later I was scrolling on Facebook and guess what I see he and that girl got engaged they're probably married with the kid in the house living the good life actor actor's wife type of shit and of course I was devastated anyway I tell this to say um there is a level of devastation that feels like no other when you really feel convinced that this person is the one for you like there's been confirmation you've talked to god when i tell y'all i spoke to god about him and i was like and maybe i didn't speak to god about him all the time but i would say stuff like you know give me a sign if this is my husband and i would say specifically what needs to happen for it to be confirmation and then that actual thing would happen so that could have been the enemy. That could have been the enemy. Or maybe it could have been God, whomever. But either way, there were many times throughout the year where when that confirmation was had and I felt like, okay, this is my husband. Okay, it will soon be revealed. Okay. And then to finally hear from him at the last day of, of, of school, of, of our work uh, year together, um, that he felt for me and, you know, he, he really likes me. Like he really, really like, and my G said it like that. I really, really like you. And he, he was like, I don't really like anyone like that. And a lot of people like him, but it's not often does he feel the same in reciprocation. And to finally see that or hear that from him, it felt, it was the confirmation on top of confirmation. Okay. So all that to say is, is, is very, very devastating when someone pulls the rug up under you and you thought everything was good, you know, like what? So to sit and watch that moment between Adriana and Kalfani and Adriana just sit there and kind of just laugh it off or not really have much to say, I wanted her to cuss him out I wanted her to be mature enough or be grown enough to really let him have it and I thought about myself in that moment when that happened to me I was the same way I was I was caught off guard I was still trying to convince him to well it was one or two times I tried to come you know somewhat convince him to you know reconsider basically like oh we can make it work and um, you know, it doesn't, I don't care about the fancy stuff. You know, I was trying to say all of that stuff, but ultimately, obviously it didn't work. And instead of reacting with anger, I was reacting with this desperation, this, this plea to, to still have this guy want me after he blatantly told me he doesn't want me. And to not have taken that opportunity to rash him to be like nigga you are a fucking clown you are a piece of shit you should have never you know just like really let him have it I instead 
didn't allow my or I didn't grow into that woman that I am growing to be more and more of every day and seeing that in Adriana on the reunion show I was just feeling that moment like wow this is devastating and I wish she would have spoken up too I wish she would have said something but obviously it's not as easy said as um or easily done as it is said so that was um, a great uh, description for those three characters. Let's get into Denise. Uh, oh, Denise. And again, if you watch this season, you'll know exactly why I just sighed right there. I Denise is someone who I feel like I feel her on a different level. I feel her on a different level because I was rooting for her. Where was I rooting for you? How dare you? Okay, Tyra Banks style. I was really rooting for her because I see so much more in her. And I really see in her just this hurt being. This person who just needs compassion and love. And because she's been traumatized throughout, over a good majority of her life, there is this residue, you know. And y'all know I have a heart for traumatized people. Obviously, Boston Bay. I have a heart for traumatized people and my heart for them just, I see them on a different level. Yes, they could be assholes. Yes, they could be people who are unaccountable and, I don't know about the word unaccountable, but they could be people who are just, just, just totally, maybe even narcissists. But beyond that, I recognize that, wow, you was just someone who was hurt. You are just someone who was hurt, not was. You are someone who who is just hurt, who is just so hurt to the point where you have been handicapped because of this hurt. This hurt has destabilized you so much so that you are inept from moving forward. And that is what brings me so much pain. And it makes me, it motivates me to want to love you so I can bring you out of that pain. That's how I see it. And that's how I see Denise. And with her... She's definitely crazy. I think she is a narcissist, actually. And I'm not going to get too deep into her. I didn't realize how long I was talking about these motherfucking <laughs> characters. <laughs> I want to talk about myself now. <laughs> but there is something with her that the, there is a lack of um, accountability, personal awareness. She lacks it all. And <laughs> with her... She was obsessed with Kafan. Yeah, I don't say obsessed, but you know, she was, she really, really liked him. Really, really liked him. And they started liking, he liked her too in the beginning. But once he saw a glimpse of Adriana, he forgot about Denise. And Denise, I think because she poorly handled herself, she looked unfavorable in the eyes of Kafani. Because there was a moment when Denise saw Kafani and Adriana cuddled up. Kiki King talking about whatever and Denise is walking by them and she's walking by them she's breaking her neck to make sure they see that she sees them <laughs> and then she walks by them twice and she's shaking her head like uh-huh okay I see you okay oh she's doing all this shit like girl girl stop Denise I'm rooting for you I was rooting for you we were all rooting for you how dare you I was really rooting for her. And for her to act a damn fool in that moment, it really just made her look 
stupid. You know, I just look stupid. Like, damn, girl, you look stupid. Stop. Stop, girl. You look stupid. And that's what it is with her. She looks stupid. And it's ultimately because she needs help. She really just needs, she needs psychiatric help. Like, I have a, a psychiatrist friend. I could recommend her if I need to. Uh, but there is this, there is this, uh, this brokenness that she exemplifies throughout the season. And I can just see right through it. I see it. I see it. I think a lot of times people don't see stuff or they just, they just don't recognize, oh, well, trauma is the reason why she's acting this way. And yes, it's not an excuse. I'm not trying to excuse it. It's just there's more compassion. I like, I like to leave with compassion more. Okay. Let's talk about Edwin real quick. Uh, one thing about me, I'm staying far away from niggas who's been in war. Okay. I'm staying far away from niggas who, who been to Iraq. Okay. Nigga, I'm staying far away from you. If you've been to Chicago. Okay. I, I am steering clear from any nigga who has PTSD. Oh, your father was a crackhead? Oh, PTSD. I'm not dealing with that. And, uh, and that's an update. I'm going to tell y'all about Boston Bay and how I finally did what I did. But um, PTSD is a real thing. It's post-traumatic stress disorder. And oftentimes, more than likely, literally every vet every veteran, every war criminal, whomever has PTSD. They may not have the same level or maybe same amount as their fellow peers, but they have it, okay? And PTSD is not limited to war vets. It is also to anyone who's been through a traumatized home life. Maybe your father, your mother, was unavailable for you uh, throughout your formative years, that is that could result into you having PTSD. And so is that, just look it up, y'all. It is a definitely real thing. And for Edwin in particular, he fought in the war. I don't know how long he was a vet, but to just think about it, to experience niggas just dying, just being shot and killed, their brain matter just splattered all over you, right next to you, you over here trying to come back home, okay, like, what, <laughs> and the P the funny thing about PTSD, maybe it's not even funny, it's actually really scary, the thing about PTSD is, you would, you would just be having a happy moment with somebody, with your partner, you know, y'all had a great dinner, you cook for your man, and, you know, you slaved over the, oh, in the kitchen to cook for him and y'all put the dishes away in the sink and you're like, hey, babe, could you just go ahead and take care of this? You know, I'm tired. And then instantly he starts thinking about the time when he was in Iraq and he starts freaking out. <laughs> like, nigga, we are in Houston, Texas. What are you doing? You know, there is, there are just moments where he just, you could, the, the man could be triggered. There is just this, this, uh, this, just instability. <laughs> it's just go seek help. Go seek Christ. At this point, God is the only savior you and that's really that's the word. That's the end of the sentence. That God is it. Jesus Christ is it. Because child, I can't save you. I can't. He was con Edwin was connecting a lot with joy. And with joy, she has she has a nice spirit to her and 
she will always talk about therapy and how she's worked through some trauma that she's experienced and she's really gotten far in her healing journey. And I could tell that if her and Edwin were to actually do this thing called a relationship, she would have been depleted. She would have been emotionally depleted. It is exhausting being with someone who always got a story. Nigga, what did you go through again? Like, what what happened again in your childhood? Are you okay? Damn, your crackhead father abused you too? Oh, shit. Damn, you witnessed a murder right next door? Oh, shit. Damn, you never felt the love of God? Oh, shit. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's one thing after another. I'm tired of your stories. I'm tired of your stories. I, I think with... People with PTSD, there is just a different, like, I think they should be in an island. They should go to an island and just be with other PTSD people because I just, I think it's unfair. Honestly, I think it's unfair. It's unfair to put your trauma and you could say, oh, well, they could just go to therapy. No, they, they can't. I mean, they could, they but they can't because oh, ultimately your partner, who you choose to be with romantically, intimately is going to take on some burden, some weight that you've been carrying. So whether you do go to therapy consistently, even even when you are going to church consistently, there is a level of burden and weight that your partner has to carry just as your partner who's dating someone with PTSD motherfucking D. Anybody got time for that? Go to an island and date other PTSD niggas. I'm not... I'm not so look, one thing about me, I'ma stay far away. Oh you oh you been to the war? Oh lose my number. I'm not my name is not Maxine anymore. Call me something else. I'm not I'm not giving you a real name. Not doing it. Okay. Uh who okay, so we're gonna move on from this topic because <laughs> there's a lot to go on. And I wanna get to why I am so proud of myself. Why am I proud of myself? Because one, I want to just tell y'all that the last episode, you know, the one with Yamanika as my guest, I was just so, so excited, so happy, so grateful to have had that opportunity. I still love her. I'm not saying this has like a disclaimer, like I fuck, I can't fucking stand up. No, no, no. I still love her. And I just, I'm so grateful because I follow her on Instagram. It's not like she's like a, like a influencer type of girl, you know, one of those people, but she's a real girl and she just happened to be a great comedian and she happens to be on TV. She's been on different TV shows, like funny girls on, on the oxygen network, like the Meredith Vieira show when that was on, um, different shows and different skits on Comedy Central. Like, wow, like, you really, like, out here doing it. And, you know, with her, she keeps it so real. And, you know, there are some people, you know, how Cardi B try to say, I keep it real, I keep it real. But they keep it mad ghetto. Like, girl, cut your nails, stop. But with her, with Yamanika, she keeps it so just genuine and honest. And, you know, it may look like she's living... Uh, a glorious life, right? She's on TV. She's getting makeup done. She's at a trailer, um, getting ready for a scene. And, but she talks about living with her two cats and just dealing with the same shit we deal with. And 
how she's been through trauma herself. She's been molested when she was younger and she's been through horrible relationships and breakups. And she's often talked about uh, narcissistic dating and what it looks like and what it felt like to date a narcissist. And, and when I thought about, hmm, who can I have this conversation with? Like, this will be a great opportunity to have this conversation with her because of the level of experience she had with dating narcissists, narcissistic people. And I just thought to myself, I feel, I really believe that the Holy Spirit just convicted me to just say, to reach out to her again and ask if she could be a guest on my podcast to talk about this topic because I've tried a couple times before she will have these Instagram lives and she's just so genuine like just a real cool like she's a friend now in real life now that she said we're in friends in real life <laughs> so whenever I am in New York and happen to come across her that's my friend so that's pretty cool but um she uh would often say, you know, if you guys want me to be, she'll just kind of mention it, like she's, like she's available, or, you know, if she could be available, if you want her to be a guest on her, on your show, or X, Y, and Z, and I've DM'd her many times before, just saying, hey, I would love for you to be a guest on my podcast, but I never said it with a, with the specificity, with the specificity, gosh, of the topic that we will talk about, I, I would just say, I, I just want you to guess on my, I just want you to guess on my show, so when I got convicted to go and reach out to her again, um, this was right before, I think it was on Christmas Day or maybe even Christmas Eve. And I was like, you know what, let me go ahead and DM her and let me specifically ask her if she could be a guest on my show and we could talk about narcissism. So I did that. And she responded the next day, y'all. Mind you, she never responded before. She responded, she responded the next day. And to get a response from her, not only to get a response for her, from her, but to have her immediately agree and say, yeah, let's do it. Um, Here's my email. Um, Tell me what date works. And I sent, like, I, we just coordinated it, and it was scheduled, and it happened. And the fact that it actually happened, because it, it could have resulted to her ghosting me right her rescheduling and never making it but she still made it and just really shows who she is her humility and just her taking time you know that's just some dope shit like, I like people like that you know the fact that you're on tv and you made time she was on the breakfast club y'all it's a really dope radio show and to be on the breakfast club and to also be a guest on my podcast it's really it was just a great great awesome awesome moment so as I was recording with her and we were we were discussing dating a narcissist and all of that, I felt and I recognized that, man, I think God was speaking through her to speak to me about this whole Boston Bay situation. Because on that episode, I talked about how I felt convicted to pray for him, intercessory pray for him, to be the one to help him to be who God has called him to be. Because y'all know when I talk about Boston Bay, I talk about him in a way that he, because he's been through so much trauma, I feel somewhat of a responsibility, maybe even a savior complex to, to uproot him from this 
this poor negative mindset, this poor negative behavior that he would exhibit all the time. And yeah, he's been an asshole to me many, many times, but I would try to put that as a back burner, as an excuse because, oh, well, his dad was a crackhead. He, he witnessed his dad beat on his mom. His best friend got killed in front of him when he was seven. Like, I, there were so many things that I know about Boston Bay's history and his childhood that it, it, it influenced me so, so heavily to look at him with much more compassion than accountability. And there was a point in our conversation with Yamanika that she said to me, I, she, she was like, look, you don't have to pray for him, pray for him anymore. I'll take on that burden. So you don't have to feel that responsibility anymore. I'll take it on. I'll pray for him. I'll pray for you in my, in my little prayer corner. And she was just giving me in that moment. I felt this release, this confirmation to finally let this shit go. Oh, you're going to take on this burden? Because y'all know in that moment, I was 18 days deep into my intercessory prayer. And my goal was to pray for 30 full days and journal it on behalf of Boston Bay. So when I was in my intercessory prayer mode, I was really into praying for him. I was really into just, just having God unveil his 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 eyes make him see and feel the goodness of the lord like i was really speaking life over this motherfucker i'm praying for you and you treating me like shit what is this life what is this okay i'm praying for you and you ghosted me again what the fuck remember i told y'all the last episode i talked about how the one before yamanika's episode (laughs) we were supposed to well, I asked him if he was free one weekend and he said, yeah, he's free. He just had to bring his son to a game, but he's pretty much around. He's like, I'm around, hun. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I was thinking I could fly into Boston and we could spend the weekend together. And then suddenly conversation just stopped. Everything halt came to a halt everything halted. Okay. And he didn't respond for like an hour. So I responded to him. I'm like, uh, okay, then never mind. Then he's like, Oh wait, he's like, Oh, sorry, babe. I'm and whenever he's trying to get me to, you know, forget his, his disrespectful behavior in the moment, he'll, he'll use a pet name. He'll say, babe, he'll say, hun, he'll say, sweetie. He'll say, you know, stuff like that. So he, he, he apparently was busy in that, right in that moment. So I'm like, okay, he's going to respond real quick. Cause he's a, he's a, hold on, wait, my, my, my B, my bad. So I'm like, okay, he's going to respond maybe 10 minutes later. We're going to have a conversation and we're going to move forward from there. He doesn't respond. It's hours later. I finally get a response late at night from him talking about, Hey, are you awake, babe? Nigga, it's one in the morning. Go to hell. Go to hell. Go to go to the pits of hell where you came from. Are you awake, babe? No, I'm getting ready to go to work in five hours. Are you awake? Do you have a heart? Do you have a father? Like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm being petty. But the, the point is, like, what the fuck? You know, you get so... Why are you suddenly 
acting like this. You suddenly acting all ghosts and shit because I want to ask you if you're free for me to come down. We could spend the weekend together and, you know, do this thing called love. <laughs> Just bullshit. Just dumb. Dumb. So anyway, he, uh... What, so he finally, yes, yeah, so he says that I'm, I was at that time, y'all know I was talking to this married guy for a day and I was like, yeah, no, this nigga's kind of crazy. I'm not trying to do this married shit. So I ended that, but I was with him in that moment when he texted me, hey, are you awake, babe? So I didn't respond, but as soon as I got back to my place, I was like, okay, uh, let me respond and say, yeah, obviously Boston May didn't respond after that. And I didn't hear from him at all the following days. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I, I WTF him. He, and then I ended up deleting that thread. But sometimes when you delete a thread, even if you delete the thread, if a person decides to double tap that that comment, that text that you sent him or her, um, they like, you know how you double tap? You could double tap and laugh. You could double tap and emphasize, double tap and like or dislike the text or question it. He double tapped and laughed. I know he did because I had no other open messages. There was no other threads that had that notification. It was for him, even though, even though the thread didn't open again, and I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all the truth. I'm telling (laughs) y'all, even though the thread didn't open again, it, I knew it was from him. And it was more in that moment, I just realized, again, this is another psychological warfare that he does with me. That That is the symptom of dating a narcissist. There is this thrill of poking the person. This thrill of making them do what you want them to do. And when they do it or when they give in, when they tell you they love you, even if you don't really love them back, you feel this glee, this hope, this this joy, this 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 power because you see it as your way of getting your way. You see it as your way of getting control because, oh, I got this bitch to say I love you. Oh, I got this bitch to say she wants to see me for the weekend. And instead of just being a man about it and saying, you know, oh, hey, I can't do that weekend. Let's do something else or whatever. You ghost me. And you are playing mind games with me. You're suddenly not available to talk for 10 hours. And then when I text you WTF, you want to double tap that and laugh it. So I sent him a final finale text. I was like, I don't know why you are not talking to me if you couldn't do the weekend. If you don't want to spend time, if you if you didn't want to spend the weekend with me, then just say that. I don't know why you keep on doing this. You know, very logistical, right? Or very logical, very grown, mature, specific, and clear. And of course, he did not respond. And I decided to just not text him anymore at that point. I was like, okay, I'm done texting him, texting blank text to a nigga who's literally Casper. So when Yamanika said what she said on that episode, on the previous episode, I felt this confirmation this release to finally let boston bay go and i know i know i know i know y'all like oh bitch you said this time and time again i know okay let's start there i fucking know (laughs) but i am proud of who i am because you know why i am always me right i am always going to be open and honest and transparent so 
Um, all the times when I said I was done with him and kind of took him back or I took him back halfway or I took him back fully, I stood in that. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. I'm not going to lie to y'all because at the end of the day, I am me. I am me, right? Drake style. And this is to encourage everyone to be themselves, to be unapologetic unapologetically themselves to stand in their mistakes and recognize yeah I probably made a poor decision there I probably did something wrong there I probably fucked that fucked that up there um but you learn and you grow and sometimes you'll fall short and then you'll come back again and then you'll do better and then you'll do better and then you'll do better but in this time I recognize I am doing much better because I not only did I say to myself, okay, yeah, I'm done. And this moment was the confirmation that I needed. When she told me to, when she told me that, she, when Yamanika told me that I did not have to pray for him anymore, I'll take on this burden. I felt this confirmation, this release, this, this, um, this, I, all of that, all the formations, okay. Formation, Beyonce was in the house. Like all of that came into play. And I felt in that moment, okay this is it. This is it. This is God telling me to let this go because I don't need to carry on this burden. And when you take on intercessory prayer, it's a, it's, it's an honoring, it's an honorable thing, right? It's, it's honorable to care or love someone so much so that you, despite how they treat you, despite how they make you feel, you care and love for them so much so that you are willing to sacrifice your own comfort, your own self-respect, honestly, and pray for that person. Even not just pray, because you know, self-respect necessarily isn't isn't taken away when you're praying for somebody, but in a sense of you still being available for that person is a form of self-disrespect because you know that this person time and time again has disrespected you has gaslighted you, has made you feel less than, has dismissed you, has ignored you. And that's what Boston Bay has done to me throughout our duration within our dynamic. So in that moment, I felt this confirmation. I was like, okay, this is it. This is it. So I stopped praying for him. I did not complete the 30-day journey. And that's, you know, that's different for me. Usually when I start a fast or start a journey, I complete it. And I decided to stop. I decided to stop because I did not want to feel that burden anymore. And I realized it is not my cross to bear. I do not need to carry the weight of your crackhead daddy. I don't. I'm sorry. I could have pity. Not even pity. Pity sounds so mocking. But I could have sympathy for you. I could wish you well, right? But I do not need to be available for you anymore. I do not need to feel responsible for you anymore. I, even on a spirit, because I will also like try to excuse it like, well, it's, it's bigger, you know, it's, it's a spiritual thing. You know, you're battling, he's, he's battling his demons. And I still believe that, but that's not my fucking problem. And I finally realized that, like, wow, this is not my problem. This is it has nothing to do with me. Your crackhead daddy has nothing to do. And I, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm making it seem like crackhead daddy is just like a joke. No, no, no. His dad had, his dad is really a crackhead. And like, I'm not even, like, I'm not even trying to say like it's a joke. Like, no, no, he really does have a crackhead daddy. And I'm, maybe he still is. Maybe he gotten help lately. But last time I checked, he's still a crackhead. And uh, <laughs> my heart goes out to anyone dealing with addiction. Let's just say that. 
make that clear. But you know, it's not my responsibility. I'm not responsible for you anymore. I never was. And I had to realize that. And in that moment, I realized that in my conversation with Yamanika. And I think it's also divine. God, God was at God was at the center of it all. Honestly, God had a hand in it because for him to create this opportunity for me and Yamanika to converse with each other, for her to be a guest on my podcast, um, it was just honorable and it really showed me what I needed to see, what I needed to receive in order to move forward with this Boston-based situation. I needed her to be on my podcast for me to finally let go of Boston Bay. Who knew? All I needed was Yamanika on my show. <laughs> so what I did to finally let him go, I finally, you know, cons- consulted with myself, consulted with God about it as well. And I decided to block him. I blocked that nigga. I blocked and I never blocked. I have I blocked him before? No, I think I blocked him on one platform, but I still gave him accessibility in Instagram, right? So I blocked him once on my no no I didn't block him but like honestly I don't remember I know that I've deleted his contact on my phone several several times but um to and maybe if I did block him before I blocked him from one platform but I still gave him the door the access to my Instagram I still wanted to see if he was he looking on my Instagram stories this time oh he's gonna comment on this one And what's funny is that he will always comment on my Instagram story whenever I'm talking about like one of my dating experiences or whenever I post something sexy or even when I'm just cracking a joke on something that I've experienced with a nigga, he would always seemingly or just very coincidentally come into my DMs right in that moment. Like I'm telling y'all, it's the enemy, yo. Straight, straight up the devil, straight up Lucifer. But anyway, I decided to blog him not just from my phone, but from the Instagrammy as well. So that's how you know it's official, y'all. That's how you know it's official. And um, my friend I was just I was just talking to my friend about that, and she's like, "Girl, you better hope that he doesn't have your email address." <laughs> right? And I don't think he doesn't. How would he have my? I'm trying to think. You know, I never exchanged my email address to him, <laughs> but um. I blocked him. I blocked him. And initially, I was, you know, before the conversation with Yamanika, I was thinking about blocking him, but I never wanted, I didn't fully commit to it because I wanted him to still have access to me. I wanted him to see me do well, right? Eventually, when I do get into a relationship that is healthy, that is beautiful with the man of my dreams, I want him to see that shit i want you to see look look at look at that look at the bitch you 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 play look at the bitch you play nigga you know i want i want him to see that half full access frontal view nigga what's up but i had to move forward from that mindset (laughs) i had to not allow my pride to get in the way of my self-respect hey that's a word I had to I had to really check myself and realize him even even if he was to see pictures of me and my new man, right? When he comes, you know, Lord willing, praise God, hallelujah, you know. Um I there still would have been a part of me wanting Boston Bay to 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 want me, to to desire me and 
there would still be a part of me desiring him too. And the door would have never been fully closed, you know, and there would have still been an opportunity and, a pro and probably an opportunity had of me and him rekindling once again. And it would have been the same dumb shit. And ultimately, I need to move forward. I need to move on. Honestly, y'all think I like talking about him? Do you, let's just talk, let's just stop there. Do you think I like talking about him every second talking about, I see so much more in him. No, I don't. Fuck. <laughs> I'm tired of seeing more in a nigga than what he presents. Nigga, you are what you present to me. I don't see more. I'm, I'm blind to this shit. I'm Stevie Wonder, I'm Stevie Wonder to this shit. I do not see more anymore. I'm tired of seeing beyond your, your surface. I'm tired of seeing your spiritual being. Nope, I see a physical, carnal self, nigga. And you ain't shit. You ain't shit. Okay? We're going to end it here, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Please continue to support this podcast by telling your friend, your coworker, your colleague, your, 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 your boss, your old nigga, you know, your side nigga, your side bitch. Anyone, support me as best as you can. I also have a Patreon at um, patreon.com slash godbuiltthis. And I hope you could consider being a patron. Thank you so much for tuning in. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at godbuiltthispod. God bless.